2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. And folks, I just know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But maybe that will suit us for this episode. I'd like to think it will. With me, as always, is someone whose ambivalence shines (laughs) through every week when it comes to the Rock Hall. It's Kristen Stuttered. Hi, Kristen.
0: Hello, Joe. Ambivalent about the rock hall, passionate about a lot of other things. (laughs) And
2: sometimes we do see some
0: overlap. Truly. (laughs) It has happened.
2: Uh, And you're sounding crisp on the AKG microphone. You know I got to say that.
0: Yes, thank you AKG. And uh,
2: let's bring in our guest, very excited to have her with us today. Uh, she's a critic and correspondent for NPR Music. Let's bring in Ann Powers. Hi Ann. Hello, thank
3: you for having me on.
2: Well, we're very happy to have you. The first question I always ask our guests is, you know, this podcast is about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, typically a peripheral institution for most people. What are you coming into this with in terms of knowledge, in terms of awareness?
3: Well, I have been a popular music critic for 150,000 years. So I have a lot of <laughs> knowledge. No, I've been, Congrats I Congrats mean, on the
2: anniversary, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Quite a <Thank> milestone. You.
3: <laughs> I started writing about music when I was in high school, which, uh, and I'm in my 50s now. So it's been a minute. So. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has uh, been part of my life ever since it existed, basically, or at least uh, ever since the physical building existed. I went to the 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 opening of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and wrote about it for, I think, the Village Voice. Yeah. So I went to that opening concert uh, in Cleveland. That was super fun. I've done programs with them over the years. Uh, my book, Good Booty, actually began, which is a kind of an alternate history of popular music in America based around uh, eroticism and sexuality. That started as a talk I gave at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, actually. Oh, cool. wow. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've done a few things there. I've hung out there. I like Cleveland. It's a cool city. It's all good. And I've only once been to a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, though. That was in New York City the year. REM got inducted. I went uh, covered it for the LA Times. I was working for them. And I remember sitting in the back with my friend, Craig Marks, who had been my editor at Spin when I was living in New York in the 90s. He's a good friend. And dancing along to REM and f- just turned to him and saying, we are so old. Our generation <laughs> is getting inducted. What the hell does it
0: mean so mm-hmm. who else got inducted the year of rem joe will know was, off the uh, top of his head i can
2: <laughs> do off the top of my head grandmaster flash and the furious five so that was uh, an important one because it was the first pop inductee uh, you also had patty smith after having been on the ballot for seven years in a row she finally got in you had van halen and the van halen brothers and david lee roth did not show up
0: did anybody play in their stead or was it like a yes. dire straits you know, Sam- situation. sammy
2: hagar and michael anthony Mm-hmm. Played some, Hagar. you know,
0: classic Van Halen lineup. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: it was yeah. not a shining moment. And then the last inducted that year was the Runets.
0: Who played at the
3: opening of the museum concert? I have two memories from that. One was going to a press conference and uh, with Al Green, and Al Green sang most of his answers to the uh, to the reporters at the press conference. He would just burst out in song, and kind of you know, Al Green's such a great. He's a preacher, you know, and I don't know if, if either of you have ever been to Memphis and gone to his church. It's an amazing experience, but he is, he embodies that approach to speech that preachers have, Southern preachers have, where he'll just like break into song at any moment. So I definitely remember that. And then I also remember that was the first time I think I saw little Richard and that was a huge moment for me. Uh, Joe, you probably have it at the tip of your brain. Everybody who played, those are the <laughs> only two things I remember.
2: <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was cool that they were able to get people like Little Richard and James Brown and Chuck Berry, like they were able to get get those like foundational artists. And especially since the first few years of the rock hall, they didn't really have a produced concert for the inductions. You know, they would have this messy jam at the end and maybe people would get up and play and it would sound like shit. And so to have, be able to get those, founding fathers while they were still around I think is one of the cooler things about the about the 95 ceremony and you like Bob Dylan was a surprise guest and like Springsteen and the E Street Band backed up Jerry Lee Lewis I'm pretty sure Aretha was there like it was it it was like a very cool
1: thing it was definitely
3: royalty and you know it's funny but I think Dylan and Springsteen, by then, I had seen them both so many times. I sound so jaded.
1: <laughs> oh, whatever.
3: Uh, hi, boss. How are you doing today? Uh, uh- another <laughs> Springsteen show. <Hey. laughs> we don't have to talk about him.
2: You know, they, they also did a, they did a mix of new and old, you know, some artists who would eventually get in the Rock Hall, and then also Soul Asylum.
3: <laughs> Whoa, so who seemed important at the time. They right. you know, like, really did. Yeah, they you don't did. know. <laughs> you never know. You never know.
1: Right.
2: Uh, so let's get into the topic for today. So the inductees were announced for the 2021 class. And one of the things that has people excited is we have a large number of female inductees this year, which, you know, we talk about on this show a lot does not happen and is a problem with this institution. And so, you know, we have Tina Turner, we have Carol King and we have the Go-Go's, you know, collectively that's seven women, seven living women especially getting inducted wow. into the Rock Hall this year. And if you just look at the performer inductees, that's almost parity because then there is there are eight men getting inducted and that's as good as the Rock Hall has ever done.
0: Then they were like pss, pss. Let's, what about uh, let's <laughs> open up the side categories again so yeah
2: i mean it, there are some exciting side category inductees but regrettably it's 10 guys so that dilutes the what could have been a very historic percentage but because we talk about the hall's issue with women so much i thought for context it would be useful to go through the hall's history with inducting women and take it year by year. And that felt to me like something that could really paint the picture beyond just saying, Oh yeah, well, it's always been a problem. Like really get down to, to the nitty gritty. I'm
0: ready. I mean, I know who's first, are we going from the very beginning?
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll go from the beginning and we'll go year by year. So we'll start with the first year, 1986. There were 10 performer inductees, 3 non-performer inductees, 3 early influence, 17 men, 0 women.
0: 0 women, I know that.
2: So out of the gate, there there was nobody. But then we get to the second year, 1987. We have 15 performer inductees, 4 non-performer, 3 early influence, 25 men But one woman, and Kristen, you know know who that is. It
0: is Aretha Franklin.
2: Yes. Could have been inducted that first year. I think probably should have been, but she eventually got in second year when they were just, God, there were so many, so many dudes. (laughs)
3: You said 25?
2: Yeah, 25 guys.
3: Who inducted Aretha? Keith Richards. Ah, that's interesting. Was it coherent, I wonder? Was it a coherent induction?
2: I would guess no. (laughs) Uh, Spotty at best would be my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would be my, my <laughs> guess there, but I, you know, Aretha as the first inductee, I think makes sense. I think she's a she's a very worthy candidate to be the the first one in.
3: I think so much of the early mid rock hall, the way it was structured, had to do with the particular labels that were involved, the particular music industry executives who were involved, and mm-hmm. her connections to both Arif Martin and uh, Jerry Wexler made her the logical choice, don't you think? I mean, it's all about. Cronyism. Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: you you noticed that a lot of the artists who were inducted those first years were on Atlantic and you look at how Ahmet Erdogan was running the show, and I don't oh, think- Oh,
3: I said Arif, I meant Ahmet, oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, I try to be the cool inside rock critic, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that guy who's in, the, who's in the Rolling Stones, Keith Jarrett, I don't know,
2: <laughs> So our stats after the second year is we have 43 people inducted total, one woman, and that brings us to 2.3% uh,
0: at the second year. That seems right. That's about how many women are important in music. Two, that's that seems right. Two percent. But when we go to
2: 1988, now this is the this is the third year. This is when we have fewer inductees. The first two years, they were just like really trying to get in as many as they could from those like kind of founding years. Because the third year you know we you get to the beatles and you get to kind of that era so there were five performer inductees one non-performer three early influence 21 men and three women and those three women are the supremes the
3: supremes
2: yeah diana ross mary wilson and florence ballard
3: such an expected choice in a way when you uh, induct the beatles because the beatles took so much of their early sound from 50s rockers who were already in there but also from the girl groups although I would say should have been the Ronettes, the actual true influence on the Beatles or maybe the Shirelles, the original girl group, you know, Mm -hmm. yet again, I have to say Diana Ross's status within the music industry Mm -hmm. at that time must have made a difference. Not that I don't love the Supremes. I really, really do, but- I wonder if you think that's part of the reason why it was them.
2: Yeah. And especially why the Ronettes were not considered. I think it's known that Phil Spector was involved with the hall and felt very strongly that they were not talented and that he did everything and they were not worthy for induction because they were his, his props, according to him.
0: Also, you know, the Supremes just really sound like the best. (laughs) 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 names, <laughs> like, right. so I'm just afraid. saying, if you were to present me with three <laughs> words, I'd be like, yeah, Supremes, probably the best.
3: <laughs> I have a nerd question about the Supremes. Um, when they inducted them, did they induct Sydney Birdsong also? They did not. Ooh, scandal. Let's talk yeah. about that.
2: I, well, you know, I, in the early years of the rock hall, they were much less uh, inclusive in terms of who they would include with band members. And I think they tended to be drawn towards like founding members, the original crew. In recent years, we've seen-
3: you know, Nowadays,
0: you can add anybody you want. Your touring drummer can get in.
3: <laughs> Pearl Jam's masseuse, masseur rather.
0: They have a masseur. I got to go to
3: him once. He's amazing. <laughs> the,
2: the Pearl Jam him masseur? Him
3: yeah, Put him he's in. so
1: good. Put him oh in. my God. Uh,
2: but you see like- it's almost like a bargaining chip now for some bands and artists Hmm. because they can say they won't come to the ceremony and Mm. they can say they won't play. Like, I believe that's what Robert Smith did of the cure. He said, if you don't include our current guitar player, Reeves, Reeves Gabrels, who's been with them since 2012, I think, and has not played on a record. Wow. That's very unusual for the hall. Usually you need to be on at least one record. Wow. Uh, But he, he, used that to, and then they they capitulated and then he was inducted with them.
3: Wow, so interesting kind of thread thread running through this. It's again like insiders, you know, people who've been around industry people, although that didn't work for now, Rogers, for a lot of years being the ultimate insider, but mm-hmm. that's another subject sure. for another podcast sure, sure, another- sure. oh yes, uh,
2: and so we had three inductees in nineteen eighty eight out of twenty four of that year it was it was twelve point five percent and then total now we have four women out of sixty seven which brings us up to 5.9% uh, women inducted in the hall. Will it get better or worse? I think you guys know the answer. Let's I do. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to 1989 where we had five performer inductees, one non-performer, three early influence. We had 27 men inducted, which I think so far is the most we've had. And then we've had one woman. And it's a woman in the early influence category. And it's the Empress of the Blues, Bessie Smith.
3: And now, do you think that Bessie was the forebear who was chosen because of Columbia Records connections? Probably not. It was just, I mean, maybe it's just undeniable. She is a titan. She is a legend. Also, of all of the sort of blues queens of the 20s, she had the most posthumous fame via, there were these two amazing comp- compilations that set up her posthumous fame, which happens so often with these early blues artists who became the foundation of rock and roll. It was all about selling records, making recording stars, making album stars of artists who had not even existed or been around in the, in the album era. So that mm-hmm. would be my theory on Bessie. I think Bessie obviously is iconic, completely legendary. At NPR, we did a series on the eight women who invented popular music. She was one of them. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I bet it was those albums that made her get in before others like Ma Rainey, for example.
2: And it it, it it makes sense if you're more in people's, in the front of their minds, that can happen. But yeah, I, th- I think she's uh she maybe should have gotten in sooner but uh, you know still in the first few years of the hall makes sense and i do think what you said her being undeniable we can find the cronyism all mm-hmm. over the hall but sometimes there are artists who get in sometimes
0: yeah sometimes it's actually just they deserve, <laughs> deserve it, it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> right they, yes
0: i think all these artists deserve it oh for sure mm-hmm. i'm that welcoming person i welcome them all Oh, I, the hall isn't real. There's room for everyone. So
2: 1989, it was one woman out of 28 inductees, which is 3.5%. And that brings us down to a total of five out of 95, which is 5.3%. I'm going to do this every year. I Uh, hate
0: it. It's really depressing me and I hate it so much. Cause also we haven't even gotten to the years when there will again, just be no women. Mm -hmm. And Uh, I'm just like, (sighs)
2: Yeah, strap in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. All right, 1990, we have eight performer inductees, five non-performer, three early influence. We have 30 men and we have three women. Hmm. And those women are, we have a member of the Platters, Zola Taylor. And that's, uh, I I think, our first induction where we have a a female member of a mixed gender group. She's the only female member of the Platters.
3: I am so happy that Zola Taylor got in early. I've done some study and work on the doo-wop era. I think it's really forgotten and so important, such an important bridge from kind of early 50s rock and roll into what rock becomes in the 60s. It was not a world where a lot of women found a place, I have to say. In my research, I found there were like, literally over 10,000 doo-wop groups in the late fifties. And I think there were a hand, like maybe five <laughs> women <laughs> in yeah. them. Now you could say there's like, you know, we get the girl groups and that's almost like a, an update on what doo-wop was in some ways, but Zola Taylor's presence was so important. And another thing, she was part of a scene in California of high schoolers who were laying the foundations for what happened with Gold Star Studios with rock and roll scene on Central, jazz to rock and roll on Central Avenue in LA. She was a really important part of that scene. So go Zola. I bet a lot of listeners haven't ever thought about that name, but check her out. Check out her history. She's a really cool story.
2: And then one of the other inductions and one that, uh, from 1990 that we have talked about recently is this was the first induction of Carole King mm-hmm. as a songwriter. As a in songwriter. The, in the non-performer category with uh, Jerry Goffin.
3: Now, do you think that partly happened because she was on the team with her husband-slash- ex-husband as he became, because I know Ellie Greenwich was inducted, and there's another songwriter from the Brill Building.
2: Cynthia Weil.
3: Yeah, uh, Cynthia Weil, all parts of teams with uh, men, so. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I I do think, though, that those groups obviously have the catalog to back it up, and I don't know that there are any comparable of that era
3: women solo female yeah.
2: songwriters without, no. I mean, it was probably a product of the way the industry worked at that time.
3: Yeah. There were hardly any solo songwriters at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people collaborated, but, you know, same things happening in R&B that continues mm-hmm. into the sixties mm-hmm. with, you know, teams like Holland, Dozier, Holland, and so many, and, you know, of course, Lieber and Stiller, so- uh, in the fifties. So yeah, I'm glad that Carol got in there.
0: But you know, it is interesting to have put her in just I- in the squarely non-performer, like someone yeah. who at this time, I don't know, it's just to say non-performer about Carol King just seems disingenuous. Um, well,
3: do you think though, that maybe they're trying, they're really into laying the foundation. I mean, they're truly thinking like, as you kind of alluded to before, because of like, it's a building and they are building the foundation here. We have to get these 50s, 60s people in before we get all the way to the turn mm-hmm. of the 70s when she mm-hmm. becomes what she becomes then. That would be my, I, I don't know why I'm defending these misogynist assholes. But- <laughs> well,
2: I mean, the, the, the induction of, of Goffin and King in 1990 is a good one. Uh, yeah, but mm-hmm. the issue Absolutely. was, I don't know that people were anticipating that it would then become the excuse for not inducting Carol King as a performer. Right. You know, it should have been the prelude. You know, we should have then obviously inducted Carol King. And actually she was eligible at this point because she had put out singles as a solo performer, like I think in like 1959, as early as that. So she actually was on the ballot as a performer the year before. And I Mm. think they decided, the Hall must have thought, okay, well, what if we put them in the... Non performer category first because that's really where her career began, right? But then this weird stubborn, you know, sexist uh, streak kept her out of uh, the other category that she rightfully belonged in.
3: I also want to call it rockist because I think mm. when mm-hmm. you get to the person, we're going to do foreshadowing when you get to the first <laughs> white woman rock star inducted. It is someone who really defined rock. You know, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, Yeah. But.
0: You know, I also think too, that with the non-performer category, there is no vote. They just could put them right in, you know, and so
2: (laughs) there's subcommittees within the hall, but it's, yeah, it's, it's done within the institution
0: a generous way to look at it. And I am not often generous (laughs) to them. And I, you know, I mean, I I might not even mean this, but a generous reading of this could be that they were kind of getting that excuse out of the way. And instead they put that excuse in the way. Yeah, that's. I'm
3: curious, like what men were, I don't, you don't have to go through the whole list, but who were the emblematic men inducted the year Carol was inducted as a, we have got the who,
2: the Kinks, Simon and Garfunkel, Four Seasons and Four Tops.
3: Four Seasons and Four Tops. Did they do it? All I need eight. to know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we had eight Seasons and Tops. Uh-huh. And then the other female inductee was in the early influence category, and it was the mother of the blues, Ma Rainey.
3: Yes, which, who was a major influence on Bessie Smith. There are great stories of her, of Bessie being mentored by Ma Rainey and trying to figure out like how to kind of live up to her legacy. They were almost peers, you know I mean it was almost like Ma was her, her auntie or something, you know but Ma Rainey, the goldneck woman as she was called, she started as a vaudeville performer and uh, traveling tent shows and then in the, when the blues uh, were the main vehicle of early recordings in the US, she was the biggest star pre-Bessie.
2: And obviously she's, she's having a moment again with right. uh, the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Absolutely. Which is exciting that there's a, a high profile movie about her. So we had in 1990, we had three women inducted uh, out of 33 uh, inductees total, which is 9%. Uh, that brings us to eight women out of 128, which is 6.25%. <laughs> and uh, as we go to the next year, Uh, This is similar, and and you'll see the connective tissue here. In 1991, we had seven performer inductees, three non-performer, one early influence, 19 men, two women, And uh, that connective tissue is, you know, we had Carol King's first induction in 1990. 1991 is when we get Tina Turner's first induction Mm. with Ike.
0: Ike and Tina. As
2: part of Ike and Tina Turner.
0: We could do a whole episode on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Which, you know, the decision to induct them as Ike and Tina makes sense because those early records are credited as Ike and Tina and they are both an important part of those songs and and those records, Uh, you know, you know, obviously there's beyond the music, many, many issues and problems that have been well-documented, but.
3: Yes. Well, I, you know, the fact that Tina recorded River Deep Mountain High in what, 1964, 65, Mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't have that have made her eligible as a solo artist too. It would have been, an insane mm-hmm. feminist rebellion to put her in <laughs> without Ike, but Yeah. She was she cool. was
2: recording as Tina before that Ike and Tina was even over. So right, she technically right. became eligible around this time.
3: Well, I know that there was always, I mean, you know, there's always been so much debate and there was so much debate at that time about what to do about Ike Turner. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the story of Tina's abuse by Ike and her escape from that life became ubiquitous, became Mm -hmm. the story of Ike and Tina, Mm -hmm. and yet there were always these stalwarts, and I will say at that time, certainly, you know, uh, pretty much only man, as far as I can remember, who who would say, but Ike, you know, Rocket Mm -hmm. 88, maybe the first rock and roll record, you know, he was the architect of that sound. He was, he discovered Tina, he made Tina, all this stuff. None of those arguments work today, I think, you know, but I can tell you they were extremely common at that time.
2: It's Similarly to Carol, but you know, different in its own ways, there was this stubbornness within the hall, it seems, of they're already in, we do not need to acknowledge them any further, even though there's a long history of people being inducted more than once.
3: And did you all watch the Tina documentary? I bet you did.
0: I did, I have seen it. Thoughts Thoughts on Uh, Tina as a rock star in the 80s? I think, I mean, I think that the documentary really lays out the case for how freaking rocking she was, you know, and how she, she really went out to be a rock star. She said, I, they are trying to book me in these cabarets or in like disco clubs. And, you know, I want to be a rock star. I want to be selling out stadiums. I want to be the Rolling Stones. And she fucking did it. And it's like incredible and that she did it on her own terms and you know the thing that really I that stuck with me so much from the documentary in particular though is how much the abuse still harms her, that like the trauma is still with her and that for her to be forever linked to her abuser is so, it's just disrespectful to her as a person and to the fact that she was public about it and said, okay, here's what happened. And now I actually really don't want to, get into it anymore thank you very much and that like seeing you know still to this day it's still painful for her and still traumatic i'm just like this this sucks and i hate it and it's one of the biggest reasons that i'm so i was so shocked and i'm still so excited about her being when she was on the ballot this year we were like oh thank god She's going straight mm-hmm. in. Who saw this coming? I've been talking about it since we started the show, how disrespectful it is that she's not in solo. And then the documentary just kind of like sealed the deal. And then then she got freaking nominated solo. And now she's in. Yay. And I'm so happy about it. And I'm glad that she's alive for this to happen. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if I had a critique of the documentary, it would be that it was
3: framed around the story of her abuse yet again. But I mean- that seems to me... And
0: it was about how people keep bringing up her abuse. <laughs> I know,
3: it was, well, it that, was the, yeah. that was the trick of it, right? The trick yeah. of it was like, oh, we're you know we're gonna dwell on the fact that she's shackled to the story while wow, we shackle her to the story. And um, that was kind of a bummer. I, but I definitely think it probably sadly brought the documentary a lot of mainstream viewers who aren't music nerds and might not have wanted just, uh, you know, story of her as a musician. I'm going to recommend a book, uh, Black Diamond Queens by Maureen Mann. Um, new book about black women Mm -hmm. in rocks, such a great book. And it has a chapter about Tina as a rock star in the eighties that really gets to it. So if you like the doc, but you want to know more about it, read that book. It's great.
2: Yeah. And you can listen to Maureen on our show talking about (laughs) Tina Turner for the, we we do, we do episodes for every one on the ballot. And we, we were like, of course we're going to have Maureen on to talk about Tina. And yeah, she she was great. And that book is is great. great.
3: And she's going to come up, Maureen's going to come up again right now, because of the next name you're going to miss.
2: So the second woman inducted in 1991, one of the, if not the most important woman of that early rock and roll era is Laverne Baker.
3: Mm -hmm. And Maureen Mann has a great chapter about Laverne Baker as a key figure in 50s rock in Black Diamond Queens. And I said this to her when I interviewed her once, and I will say it to you, that both turned my head, changed my way of thinking and made me ashamed because I was one of those people who thought about 50s rock as a boys club, you know, as Mm -hmm. a sausage party as like, you know, a great moment, but where are the women? And yeah, Wanda Jackson, but she's not as big as some others or, you know, Janice Martin or whoever, like small artists. But I didn't think about Laverne Baker as a rocker. I thought about her as an R&B artist, you know, Mm -hmm. and Maureen makes the case for her so beautifully that she was right there on those rock and roll tours marketed as a rock musician. She should have been in the first class of the Rock and yeah, Roll Hall
2: of Fame. I, I, I agree with you. That, that chapter, and I revisited it last night. It, it really, it converted me. It, <laughs> me <too> it, and <laughs>
1: because yeah,
2: Laverne Baker, like not only was part of these, because, you know, in the early rock era, there were these like often traveling reviews and mm. often Laverne was the headliner. Like that's how right. big she was. That's how important she was with, you know, these other guys who at this point were probably already inducted
3: and it's an interesting story about how institutionalization happens because the reason she's forgotten maureen argues is because she moved to the philippines and she Mm -hmm. wasn't around to kind of join the oldie circuit the way that every other Mm -hmm. artist Mm -hmm. of that era did and that's you know along with sexism and racism that you know that is why she, she is forgotten but she got in yes right on I'm glad she did get in fairly early
0: in our list. Mm -hmm. So I'm just such an interesting, you know, you bring up the the phrase like oldies and the oldies circuit. I'm just like, I imagine that rock and roll was this crazy thing that people, parents were like, not in my house. You know, it was like a very big cultural revolution. (laughs) And then, you know, when we were kids, it was like. And these are oldies. Like yeah. this mm-hmm. is an it's a station called <laughs> Oldies. Sit back, like relax. oldies 104.3 yeah. was like the station in my in Chicago growing up that it goes from being the most, you know, subversive, just crazy revolutionary music to being called oldies is just such a funny turn to happen. <laughs> It's all about happy days and American
3: graffiti. That's when the fifties got turned into the oldies era, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's what I grew up with, you know, the Fonz and all that Henry Winkler, yeah. <laughs> that's probably right. how I discovered fifties rock and roll actually was mm-hmm. through, was through
0: the Fawns in particular.
2: I say Induct the funds. Induct uh, the funds.
0: <laughs> That's how we'll know that the that the hall has actually jumped the shark. <laughs> right. Hey, very good. Thank you.
2: Why don't we uh, Why don't we take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will finish up the history of the women in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you
0: thought about something that seemed like a pretty big deal at the time, but now it's kind of funny if you look back at it.
2: (laughs) You can laugh about it. All right, so we left off at 1991. There were two women that year out of 21 inductees, which brought us to 10 women out of 149 and 6.7%. As we go into 1992, (laughs) where we have seven performer inductees, three non-performer, two early influence, Thirty men and zero women.
0: They just couldn't find any. They're just to be to be clear. That (laughs) was (laughs) that was a year when there actually were no women just doing anything (laughs) in society that was the blip we all know that year
3: (laughs) it was the 1992 is that the year we're talking about that was the that was one of the prime years and what i always call the decade of the year of women in rock though nine the (laughs) 90s were the decade of the year uh, of women in rock every year of the 90s i believe i was asked to write an article about how wow look there are women in music oh my goodness this new novelty exciting moment so the decade
0: of the year of women in rock what a great (laughs) phrase
3: you know men in the music industry they can be like little school children and you just have to gently lead them into the new era that's just how you have to do it Uh, joe tell
0: me were there any women on the ballot that year
2: etta james was on the ballot uh and she was the
0: only woman on the ballot (laughs) And, and how and, freaking outrageous she didn't get in right away. I mean, right. come uh, on. Uh, God. And she, and
2: at, at that point, it was her first time on the ballot too. And then it's we insane. had Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground, which is, you know, several men and, and one woman, but that is a woman who was on the ballot. So zero women out of 30 inductees that year. That takes us to still 10, but now out of 179, which brings Jesus our curl down to 5.6%. Uh, let's go to 1993, where we have eight inductees we have two non-performers, one early influence, 24 men, and five women. Whoa, big year. That's our peak so far. Huh, okay. Uh, and this is, we do get Etta James on 93, on her second ballot.
3: I need some analysis, like what happened? Do you think it was because there was such a, a attention being paid in the media and at the mu- in the music industry at that time to this kind of like resurgent, wave of women. Can you have a resurgent wave? Whatever. There, were, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of attention to women in both rock and R&B at that time. Do you think that's why this happened?
2: 92 was the last year before they were filming it, like for uh-huh. like a production filming it. So 92 was still... That was probably the last really messy True Boys Club. It was essentially a private ceremony. You know, mm. there there is footage from it, but it was not. Because we talked to Joel Gallen, who was brought on in 93. There wasn't a television broadcast, but they did shoot it like a television broadcast. And it uh-huh. was more produced like it was going to be on television.
3: Interesting. So women are visually compelling, etc. cetera.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't think the hall, especially this time, was ever responding to any waves uh, or mm. any trends. I don't get the sense that the, they were really going to be influenced by that kind of thing. That's well, my when guess. you look
3: at the list. Let's talk about the specifics because I mean, there were some undeniable. Right. So Etta Etta James. I wish this was a a video chat because I have a painting of Etta James on my wall. She is one of my guiding spirits. Absolutely. But alongside Etta, another absolute, absolutely foundational. Some say she built the house of rock and roll. And who Mm. would that be? Would that be Ruth motherfucking Brown? The queen of
2: R and B herself, Ruth yes. Brown, also inducted in 1993.
3: Yes, and yes. gives
2: a great performance. Uh, also in 1993, we had Sly and the Family Stone, and two members of Sly and the Family Stone are female. We have Sly's sister Rose, who you know did vocals and, and played piano, and then you also have Cynthia Robinson, who played yes. the trumpet but was also kind of like the hype woman for flying yes. the family stone she's the one who's screaming at the top of dance of the music yeah, her voice is very present with like kind of her ad libs and, and things like that
3: yeah no i mean this is a, that's an exciting induction you know simply because women instrumentalists you know mm-hmm. i mean still incredibly rare yes uh to non-existent in terms of inductions and you mm-hmm. think about how many great Male players, session players. And this is what we will get to. You know, if we get to the discussion of those side categories and all yeah. that. Uh-huh. Um, Carol Kaye still not in the Rock and Roll Hall. This fame. is a, we
0: talk about it often. it's, yeah. it of is, of it's great. a travesty. So, yeah. It is un. It's unfathomable.
2: <laughs> and then we had an early influence uh, inductee, Dinah Washington.
3: Dinah Washington also one of those artists who exists on the bridge between jazz, R and B, and rock and roll. And I think uh, she can be talked about in any of those categories. So really one of the great somewhat forgotten vocalists. I think now as we see endless resurrections of the stories of Billie Holiday, for example, or Bessie Smith, mm-hmm. I want that Dinah movie. I want that to happen. She was an incredible artist and still remains unsung in my opinion. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. I I mean that she's someone whose name I am aware of and I've heard of and stuff, but I, I think she's not nearly as ubiquitous as uh, some of her contemporaries.
2: Let's get someone get on it. Movie producer. <laughs> for listening.
3: Get on
0: it, Ava Duvernay. I know you are a regular yeah. listener to this podcast. Perhaps She's a, a whole project head. For she can't quit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so we had five women inducted that year out of twenty-nine, which is a whopping seventeen point two percent that year, which brings the uh, total to fifteen women out of two hundred and eight, which is Jesus seven, Christ seven point two percent. Let's go to nineteen ninety-four, where we have eight. Performer inductees, one non performer, one early influence, 28 men, and one woman. And that would be Donna Godshow of the Grateful Dead.
3: Perhaps the most wow. unexpected name on this list, do you think? <laughs> would you guys say? What do y'all say? Yeah.
2: Because, you know, of the, the members of the Grateful Dead that you think of, she's maybe not even in the top 10, like right. there,
0: I was like, had no idea there was ever a woman in the Grateful Dead. Well, mm-hmm. the, the Grateful Dead
3: are so interesting as a band, because I actually wrote about this in my book, Good Booty, that their edges are constantly permeable, both in terms of how they exist as a collective. People do come in and out over their long history, though there is of course the core, you know, and all mm-hmm. and a center Jerry Garcia, but also, how they existed with their audience, so they were sort of the ultimate commune as a band mm-hmm. in some sense, you know. But it's great that Donna got in. It's great that a countercultural hippie
0: woman got in, you know. I love yeah. that
3: about this that moment. Yeah,
0: and also, uh, did they induct all of the um, parking lot grilled cheese sellers? Were they all? <laughs> they, all they, a did a miracle. Sacks they did not get
3: invented. it. They did not okay. get their
0: miracle and get okay. inducted. So sorry, unfortunate. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of talk about do we put devil sticks in with the Grateful <laughs> Dead? Uh, would that be? Should we hand them the statue with the devil sticks? So that was that was one out of twenty nine, which was three point four percent for the year, which brings us down to six point. Seven percent, sixteen women out of two hundred and thirty-seven. At that point, let's go to nineteen ninety-five, where we have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, one early influence, nineteen men, six women.
0: Yes. Whoa. What happened? Woo. Okay. So what can, kind of girl group got in? What's what yeah?
2: It's exactly it. So in nineteen ninety-five, we see the induction of Martha and the Vandellas, right. which does they included a few different lineups. So there's five women who were inducted. So that is the bulk of the women in 1995. And that includes Martha Reeves, Rosalind Ashford Holmes, Betty Kelly, Lois Reeves, and Annette Sterling Hilton.
3: Which is great, Martha. It's an, and again, an interesting choice though, in terms of the kind of order in which the girl groups got inducted because mm-hmm. Martha and Vandellas hold a special place in history, partly because... Their songs are anthemic and Mm -hmm. they soundtrack a lot of movies. They soundtrack also a lot of historical moments. So Dancing in the Streets, of course, Mm -hmm. became a kind of informal anthem of the revolutions of the 60s. And Mm -hmm. Heat Wave, of course, is just in every faux 50s, 60s dance scene. I mean, there wouldn't be a Hairspray. That musical couldn't exist without the influence of Martha and the Mm -hmm. Vandellas. So the sound, I think, got them in, those anthems got them in, but I wouldn't put them in the top two most important girl groups, personally. That's not a
0: diss, I'm just saying. <laughs> I wouldn't put them in that top two or three. They're just so well-known. You and know, are, the yeah, thing about them like was said. their notoriety, I think. Yeah, for sure.
2: And then the the sixth woman inducted that year, uh, hinted at before, but we yes. get first-year eligible inductee, Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin. Joplin. I was so,
0: thinking that when, I was like, who could be this person who is this female embodiment of rock star in like kind of the male 60s rock critic mind. And uh, so it's Janice.
3: Yeah, she absolutely. And and not only in their minds, in the experience of some of the rock writers who were participating in the uh, process of induction, I think, I mean, Janice was someone that was so central to the the telling of the story of rock and roll through Rolling Stone magazine through the countercultural press through her appearances on Dick Cavett she was a, a very known person to a lot of the people on the committee i assume which and you know her story is i wonder too i'm going to venture to ask do you think that partly the tragic aspect of her story meant that there might've been a sense of, we gotta get her in there, you know, because she, we lost her in life. Mm -hmm. We need to celebrate her in immortality.
2: I (laughs) think so. I think the legacy was really encased in Amber. Uh, Also there's the kind of myth of the 27 club. Yep. I think the music obviously holds up, but I do think the fact that like her, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, like -hmm. they are all talked about within the same breath because yep. of the uh, significance, but also because of when and how they died.
3: Yes, exactly. And, you know, I um, participated in a little mini conference that uh, Lauren Anke put on at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame about Janis Joplin. And uh, I can't remember the year, but at any rate, maybe it was that year. Anyway, I gave a talk about how Janis Janice was the biggest influence on heavy metal vocalists. Robert Plant has often Mm -hmm. said this, um, that his style was just basically copying Janice. You Mm -hmm. know, and- Yeah, you can
1: hear
3: it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I I think, uh, especially then, but even even today, it can be hard for people to acknowledge influences that are across gender. You know, Mm -hmm. that a woman could influence male vocalists seems you know, crazy. But in fact, I think she really, there wouldn't be heavy metal singing if not for Janice, in my opinion. Those Mm -hmm. high notes, that's Mm -hmm. heavy metal.
2: Absolutely. And shout out to Lauren Anke, who we love and has been on the show. And (laughs) I would say might be listening. So hello, Lauren. (laughs) Hi, Lauren. So that was six women uh, out of 25, which was 24% that year, almost uh, a quarter, which is incredible for the hall. Brings us up to 22 out of 262 inductees, uh, 84 Will it go up or down in the next year? Let's find out. 1996, we have seven performer inductees, one non performer, one early influence. We have 20 men and we have seven women.
1: Whoa, Ooh. okay.
0: So
2: we're, we we went up one. It's also peaking. so
0: funny that I'm like excited about the number seven. Like get out of <laughs> yeah, here. Seven out of 27. Get out of here. Come
3: uh, on. <laughs> it kind of parallels what happened with women in music writing in the 90s. There, you, there was one, then there was two, then there was five, then there was seven.
0: Now there's Mm -hmm. equal amounts. It's awesome. Well, it's interesting though, too, because we also, it's like you see it with any kind of parody or whatever. It's like tokenism feels like representation. And so it's like, oh, look, there is a woman starring in this film. Yes, she's starring with six male co-stars, but like (laughs) you see her, she's number one on the call sheet. So doesn't that count for something? And the answer is it doesn't.
2: (laughs) Well said. Well, why don't we talk about Gladys Knight, who was inducted with The Pit. Who are all male. Wow. So you know she's obviously she's the marquee name. But we when we talk about the fact that everybody gets a vote,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: you are giving one woman a rock hall vote, and then the rest right. the rest a bunch of men. With
3: right, votes. I never want to discount background singers, but I hear you on that. Gladys is one of those folk, vocalists, so I would say. If you were to talk to a bunch of uh, African-American music fans, music scholars, music journalists, she would be so far elevated, so, you know, so much more elevated in the conversation than when the it, it's a bunch of white folks talking, you know. Mm-hmm. She is a signal performer in African-American music, um, sometimes not as well seen or heard, you know, in the circles that would have been... Inducting people at that time, so it's great that she got inducted at this point.
2: Yeah, and I don't mean to dismiss the Pips either. Obviously, no. they were on the <laughs> yeah. they were part of the group, and they should be
1: inducted
2: <laughs> as well. Uh, and then we've got another pivotal rock and roll woman, Grace Slick in Jefferson Airplane. Yes,
3: mm-hmm. yes. Grace Slick was like the cover woman for Rolling Stone magazine in those early years along with someone else we'll get to shortly who had long blonde hair as opposed uh-huh. to Grace's <laughs> long black hair. But yeah, it's. I found that I was looking at some old Rolling Stones recently and there was this interview with Grace and Paul Kantner that I swear was like 10 pages long. It was half the magazine. She wow. was a huge star in the Rolling Stone universe in those early years and we know how influential rolling stone mm-hmm. magazine and yon Winter are over these inductions so yes that makes sense to me others might say we built this city uh kind of like, <laughs> like the gates everything that came before but i don't think that's fair i mm-hmm. love jefferson airplane and they were very important yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: And you know it's very convenient that the name was changed by the time they were
1: yeah. building the city, and nothing <laughs> yes. was stopping them
2: now. Uh, so you can dumb. you can make a you can draw a line in the sand for that. <laughs> Aforementioned Mo Tucker, the drummer of Velvet Underground, always cool to recognize female instrumentalists, like we talked about uh, with Sly and the Family Stone.
3: And of course, we're getting into the we're in the thick of the indie rock era, and. Can you really think of a more influential band on indie rock than The Velvet Underground?
2: It feels like kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And then we've got The Shirelles, finally. Yes.
1: Yes!
2: (laughs) Uh, That's Shirley Alston Reeves, Addie Mickey Harris, Doris Kenner Jackson, and Beverly Lee. So we get four women with The Shirelles who for some reason were dismissed. And this is something that, again, Maureen Mann talks about in her book. You know, The Shirelles were so important and potentially the start of like the girl group sensation.
3: Yes and and why were they not inducted alongside Carole King as an, as a mm-hmm. as a collaborator with uh, Jerry Goffin because Will You Let Me Tomorrow exists because not only a, it's a great song by its songwriters but it is written in the vocal Like the vocals on that song make the song what it is. And I always think this about all rock and roll, but particularly you need that teenage girl voice. You need that perspective. And um, that's what Maureen writes about. There's also a great book by Jacqueline Warwick about girl groups that talks about this without those girls, but they were just ignored because they were teenagers, you know, they were supposedly interchangeable. Such a lie. Uh,
2: So yeah, we had seven women in 1996, a peak. Uh, out of 27, which we actually got above a quarter. We had a uh, 26% and that brings us to 29 out of 289. We made it to 10% women in the hall uh, total in 1996. Yay. Uh, where will it go? Okay, <laughs> let's go to 1997. We have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, two early influence,
3: 38
2: men and two women. <laughs>
3: Uh, but what two
0: women? What a pair. Come I on. Know. We, yeah, got- because, but that's what the thing is. It's like the exceptionalism. It's like, yeah. I really hate it. It is what will trick us all into thinking that things are changing. Is You're that totally right. these two exceptional women are being honored and wow, doesn't that really mean something? Meanwhile, it's like, uh, I, okay. Yeah. i've said it you know uh-huh. what i you know what i yeah. mean you know what I yes
3: mean. i totally agree with you and at the same time what these well one of these two women treasures and holds her exceptionalism so dear to her own heart and who am i talking about joe are we talking
2: about Joni mitchell <laughs>
3: oh maybe
2: <laughs> yeah so Joni I'm- mitchell was was inducted in in
3: 1997. i mean Joni. what to say Joni did basically invent the role of the singer-songwriter mm-hmm. she Is the, in my opinion, the greatest singer-songwriter in history. You could just call her the greatest songwriter of the 20th century. It would be possibly fair. Sorry, Bob Dylan. Yeah.
0: Whoa. You know? I'm, on his 80th birthday. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs>
3: but, I mean, just Joni is so many things, but Joni is also someone who I think she would prefer a Nobel prize to uh, being in the rock hall. And as I remember, she didn't respond super positively when she was inducted. Am I correct? I, I don't,
2: I don't believe she was there. This was, this happened right around the time that she reunited with her baby that she gave up for adoption right. 30 years prior. And it was kind of a media circus around this yes. thing. She was reuniting with the daughter that she gave up. And I think it was in the middle of that. And she was just focused on that. Right. Chose yes. not to attend.
3: Yes. Anytime Joni receives an honor, she, she welcomes the honor, but she also then, you know usually has a little shade to throw at it in a in a charming is, way yeah. that's just her way i in mean she considers way. her peers uh really she considers picasso you
0: know <laughs> this is like where she's at she's with i her. think this is great though i think we yeah. do need to have more absolute self-confident women yes. who are just like um yeah i'm a freaking artist i'm a legend mm-hmm. yep yeah, Treat me I totally such. agree. I completely agree with anything that. less I will not be responding. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and then also
2: in 1997 we had a female early influence inductee Mahalia Jackson.
3: Yeah. Mahalia Jackson, the best probably the best known gospel artist of the 20th century or of all time. Most people who are alive today remember Mahalia Jackson as this presence on television. She often appeared on television in its early years kind of wearing her her gospel robes and uh, giving these very powerful um, but somewhat staid performances. But the thing about Mahalia is that she was deeply, she's from New Orleans, so she was deeply influenced by Bessie Smith. Mm -hmm. She brought together uh, the blues and spiritual music in gospel and really invented that form in a lot of ways. So uh, none more deserving than the great Mahalia. put her
0: in, baby. yes. (laughs) What's our update on the stats? What are we at? Have we hit 11% yet?
2: So we're going to go down because that was two out of 40.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Literally, no. Okay. So
2: that was was 5% for that year. And that takes us to 31 out of 329, which takes us below 10% back down to 9.4%.
3: I feel like we're, we're right around uh, the amount of actual orange juice and sunny
0: delight. I think that's where we're at. And it's from concentrate. All right.
2: 1998, we have six performer inductees, one non-performer, one early influence, 25 men, and we have four women. Mm. And that's because we have two groups with two women in both of them. The first one being Fleetwood Mac, where we get Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks. Stephen Nicks' first induction. Those are also, you know, they're not in the background. Those women are both up front with Fleetwood Mac, you know, right and sing some of their biggest hits, which is very cool.
3: Yes, but I have to say this is the year of The Companions... Dare I say, using an outdated term, the girlfriends and wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now don't think of these women and the two women from the group you will soon mention as primarily be that.
1: No, not
3: yet,
1: not yet. Not yet. The mamas been, the it could papas? have been they yes. also. am the awesome. like the <laughs> is the
3: mamas and the papas. Yeah, mamas and Michelle papas. So, so here's my cynical analysis. You know, you got to let these classic groups in and there are the women uh, who at that time, especially I think, were not necessarily as honored as they are now as artists in their own right, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, all were companions or, well, not Mama K- Cass Elliot. Well, that history is complicated, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm expressing a little cynicism. I have to admit well, about that. You know
0: year. The storyline of the wives and girlfriends and people being known and remembered for their relationship to men and being seen as the vessel through which a man's genius i think in particular stevie nicks falls into this category a lot is like she just was like this vessel for lindsey buckingham's genius and all of this bullshit or whatever and but i do think yeah i think that we have turned a corner in many ways like i think She's such an icon now in particular and you know she's inducted on her own. We just see her differently. We see yeah. her as this witchy poet, lyricist.
3: Even more important though I think is the fact that you have this the emergence of these women artists who themselves talk about being influenced by Stevie, you know, I mean someone like a Saint Vincent or whoever. Mm-hmm. And then men start to say they were influenced by Stevie true shock, but uh, <laughs> but it does happen. So the emergence of women at the center of current rock and roll um, allows us to see the history in a different way. That hasn't happened as much with the mamas and papas. And there's a lot of complicated stuff around the mamas and papas and John Phillips, who was a very troubled and troubling individual, a leader of that group. But I just want to talk for a second about Cass Elliot, such an amazing singer, such an important mm-hmm. person in the counterculture. She was the kind of like doyen of Laurel Canyon who brought everyone together. If you've ever seen that famous picture of Joni Mitchell where she's sitting on the grass and uh, David Crosby, I think, is sitting next to her and Eric Clapton is staring very intently at how Joni's playing guitar. That was at Cass Elliott's house. It's Cass Elliott's daughter, Owen, who's in the picture. All praise Cass. And I'm, you know, I'm glad she's in the hall. And Michelle Phillips, too. You know, both of them. Really important part. Of the Laurel Canyon scene.
2: So that's four out of twenty-nine, thirteen point eight percent that year. It takes us to thirty-five out of three hundred and fifty-eight, which is just below ten percent, nine point eight percent. As we go into nineteen ninety-nine, seven performer inductees, one non performer, two early influence, eighteen men and four women. Uh, we've got the induction of Dusty Springfield that year. Very sad, uh very recently posthumous induction at that point although I think she was alive to hear that she was inducted.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: She died of breast cancer. Yeah. Tragic. Dusty. Wow. (laughs) You know, Dusty in Memphis, one of the uh, greatest Blue-Eyed Soul records, the greatest maybe Blue-Eyed Soul. I'm giving a lot of superlatives this this episode, but (laughs) let's just put her up there. Yeah. Greatest Blue-Eyed Soul album of all time. It's such a great, uh, singer glad she got to know that she was inducted
2: yeah and then we've got the staple singers three of which Mavis Cleova and Yvonne are women
3: Mavis Staples big inspiration for guess who Bob Dylan they mm-hmm. were very close and uh, good friends and allegedly uh, he asked her to marry him at one point she said I was, no <laughs>
2: I was reading that today you know there's a lot of Dylan stories online with his 80th so I, I saw that and I was like oh that's very interesting
3: but, but I think the Staple Singers are so important because of the style of gospel music that they made and their presence in the civil rights movement, their presence in the counterculture and their the fact that they were peers with these, you know, countercultural white male countercultural icons. So um, they shaped the sound of Bob Dylan. They shaped the sound of the 60s. And Mavis still is such a glowing presence on the music scene and, and so influential to Americana artists to this day. She is a national treasure.
2: Absolutely. Just a, a powerhouse singer, one, of the, one yes. of the greats. Yeah. And that's four women out of 22, which is 18%, brings us to 39 out of 380. We're back above 10% at this wow. point. Congrats, everybody. <laughs> Uh, as we go into 2000, we have six performer inductees, one non-performer, two early influence. Still in
0: a pre-9/11 world, right here. Know, it's so How will that it's bode for women?
2: We have the introduction of the side man category, so we have five side men, and it's that not that going category emphasis well. man. Yeah, the category is gendered, oh, uh, and then we've boy. got so that's a total of 27 men and two women, and we've got Bonnie Raitt.
3: Yay, Bonnie Raitt. Uh, you know, Bonnie Raitt. Not only a great artist in her own right, but such a champion for African-American artists' uh, elders. You know, she was one of the founders of the Rhythm and Blues Foundation, which she co-founded partly to help out Ruth Brown, who we talked about before, who had been, who had to clean houses, you know, to support mm-hmm. herself long after her rock heyday. So I think Bonnie is one of those Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees who is both, a, you know, a worthy artist, but also should we call them a team player? Sort of like Dave Grohl, you know, the Dave (laughs) Grohl of that moment, like someone who plays an important role in the industry and is seen as um, just a good egg all around. Yeah,
2: and at that point had inducted Ruth Brown. Also, I believe inducted... John Lee Hooker. I think she inducted Ma Rainey as well. So yeah. similarly to Dave Grohl, a figure who <laughs> shows up to the ceremony a lot, yep. playing the game. Yeah, uh, yeah,
3: but also an amazing guitarist, an amazing yeah, incredible bottleneck slide guitarist. And then uh, the
2: early influence induction of Billie Holiday was also in two thousand.
3: I mean, can we just say what? Like how in two thousand fourteen years, <laughs> years later?
2: Yeah, yeah took yeah. Took, Too long, a curiously long time.
3: I think this is a a prime illustration of the it's not rock and roll Mm -hmm. uh, uh, line of thinking. Yeah, total genre bias. I mean, Billie Holiday is, of course, the face and voice of jazz for many people, especially people who only have like two jazz records in their collection. They probably have a Billie Holiday record. They probably have the Billie Holiday's Greatest Hits on Columbia Records. It was, you know, such a staple of that catalog. Now, I think with the expanded idea of what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame can include, it seems like a no-brainer, but at the time, she was just too jazz for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and I don't think it's a coincidence that Nat King Cole was also inducted that same year in that category. Mm, yeah. It seemed like they were widening what the early influence could mean for the Rock Hall.
3: Absolutely.
2: Uh, so we had two women in 2000 out of 29. That's 6.9%. That takes us to 41 out of 409. We're still above 10%, but barely. And we go into 2001, where we have eight performer inductees, one non performer, two more side men, 26 men, zero women.
0: Oh, great. Ah. 2001, 9 11 really it ruined a it for us. Disaster uh, year
1: across <laughs> the country.
0: Well, I have to ask you were there any like punk
3: new wave bands in that class?
2: Um, no, we weren't okay. quite there yet. That would start the next year. So, this- okay.
3: So I think that's gotta be the reason, don't you think? I mean,
2: I don't think there is a, there is a good reason on the ballot though. We did have some women. We had Brenda Lee and Patty Smith who did not ah. get in this year.
3: Well, uh, you know, I, I think there's an interesting analysis to be had of women in popular music in the late seventies, pre rock punk and new wave, because those are, uh, are the years when women were absolutely dominating in categories that the rock hall traditionally absolutely despises, like disco, for example, mm-hmm. or yeah. mainstream pop. You mentioned ABBA. This is the prime moment of women leading the way outside of traditional definitions of rock and roll. So mm-hmm. that absolutely. might be why. And then and then the door opens with Punk and New Wave, a right. little, tiny, tiny bit.
2: A little bit. So yeah, after 2001, that takes us uh 41 out of 435, which is now below 10% at 9.4%. And in 2002, we had six performer inductees, one non-performer, one side man, total of 18 men, but we do have two women. The punk door did open Yay. for Tina Weymouth yes. of Talking Heads to get in. Yeah.
3: yeah and great. this is the year that I officially become old because this is the year that a band that was like one of my bands as a teenager enters the rock hall. And, you know, I got to see Remain in Light, that Remain in Light tour that became the Jonathan Demi movie, Stopped Making Sense Mm -hmm. in Seattle and when I was a kid and, oh my God, just blew my mind. And Tina, so deserving. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're singling her out here because her bass playing was just central to uh, defining the sound of new wave music. And also... With the Tom Tom Club made mm-hmm. one of the most sampled basslines
0: of all time. Yep. genius of love. Very important. My favorite band, I'm happy.
2: 2002 we also got brenda lee
0: brenda lee i had lunch with brenda lee a
3: couple years ago pre-pandemic she lives here in nashville she is just a fabulous human being and uh, just as perky and charming as you would imagine Uh, brenda again like what the hell it took that long for her she was a one of the first child stars one of the first rock and roll stars she was just a tiny teenager when she started and um i think again category confusion because later Mm she was associated with country music inexplicably, since she's not a country. I mean, she was an original rock and roller, but yeah, she's still with us. And I I hope everybody uh, sends out all love and praise to Brenda so she can feel it because she's the greatest.
2: But I do want to point out in the non-performer category, which is something that is one of the biggest injustices. And we actually discovered this because I found an old VHS tape of this ceremony that I taped off of VH1 when I was in high school. And uh, we watched it and we watched them induct Jim Stewart of Stax Records. Uh-huh. <laughs> and only Jim Stewart. That's sad laughter.
3: That's scornful laughter. Oh my and
2: God. And there were references to Jim's sister, estelle axton
3: insane
2: and it was clear (laughs) it was clear watching the package that she was part of it it's clear in the name stacks i was gonna say
3: why is it called stacks records estelle
0: Axton. axton
2: yep it really it feels like it the is the most stupidest, obvious.
0: it's infuriating, and it was 20 years ago, somebody fucking fix this. Just fix it, just fix it, fix it, fix it. It was wrong that it happened, what do we have to do? Just somebody do this, someone just bring yeah. it up and just do it, do mm-hmm. it this year. She's not in. She's still not in. No, that's so wild because
3: like I did a little work with stacks uh, advisory work with them a couple of years ago. I've been to the Stax museum many times and she's, you know, it's not like they're hiding her in a corner or something. I mean, she's right up front uh, alongside Jim as part of the story. So I don't know the story of why that happened. And I want to know now bonus episode
2: yeah right. Well, we'll do our investigative yes. reporting.
0: This is your chance to do your version of "In the Dark." The story might begin with misogyny, and it also might end with patriarchy. I think those might be <laughs> that might be the full story. Just that's a two-page book, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. So that was such a missed opportunity there. Ridiculous. But we had two women out of twenty in 2002, ten percent, which takes us to forty-three out of four fifty-five, nine point percent, And then 2003, we have five performer inductees, one non-performer, three side men, 24 men, total zero women.
0: There are women.
2: What 2004, the we have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, 18 men, zero women. This
0: is getting fucking outrageous.
2: 2003, 2004 in a row. That takes us to 43 out of 497. We're now at 8.6% women. In 2005, we have five inductees in the performer category, two non-performer, 16 men, but we do have one woman, And it's a pretty big one. It's Chrissy Hine from The Protectors.
3: Chrissy Hine, my teenage role model, such an important artist, uh, creating a bridge between the sound of 50s, 60s, and you know both eras—early 60s and late 60s—rock and roll and punk new wave. Because her songs were completely up there, rivaling any girl group song. Or you know, Mm -hmm. also she famously was connected to Ray Davis of the Kinks. Mm -hmm. They have a child together, but she was also Rivaling him as a songwriter, so she she, is like that classic rocker who absolutely deserved to be in there.
0: Yeah, she famously kicks ass. She made me get bangs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I started listening to the Pretenders, and it happened. I think that she, though, often gets paraded as a bit of like w- female exceptionalism where mm-hmm. it's like yeah. if all women could just rock like Chrissy Hind and hate <laughs> feminism, then they mm-hmm. too uh, could kick ass. I, I don't think she likes to be viewed through the lens of feminism or feminist discourse. I just think that if there was more representation, then we wouldn't even have to look at Chrissy Hind and say like, oh, how do, how do you feel as like a woman in rock, blah, 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 because that's it, it, there is something very annoying and frustrating about that. And it's frustrating that there were zero women inducted the two years prior. And so now we have this one and she's the one that we're going to talk about. You know what I mean? It's just, I love her. It It, it is such a frustrating, I'm yeah. frustrated. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, that this was is the, not news. I mean, look, the story of being a woman feminist music writer is the story of being frustrated in many ways. I, you know, I'm so grateful for the opportunities that have allowed me to have this career and for my many male mentors, et cetera. But just in terms of that one specific thing, Kristen, I have experiences with so many of my favorite women artists, particularly of that era. I think the F word was just poison to a lot of women during that era. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I remember when Patty Smith came back after, uh, you know, her years uh, in Self imposed exile raising her kids with Fred Sonic Smith, and she said some things in interviews that seemed, I don't know, anti feminist, but you know, just like I was happy being a housewife, and here I was like, you know, women's studies was my jam. What Mm -hmm. the hell, people? But that was just, you know, I understand why you're singling out Chrissy because she's been vehement about it, but it was pretty hard to find any woman from that era who would openly say, I'm a feminist, especially in those years, like around that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it was not not something uh, women rockers felt they could do. It wasn't really allowed for them. For sure.
2: So that was one out of 17. That was 5.9%. Takes us to 44 out of 514, which is 8.6%. As we go into 2006, five performer inductees, one non-performer, 27 men, one woman. And again, we have a female front woman of a band. We have Debbie Harry Blondie.
3: Debbie Harry um another teenage role model for me absolutely yeah. and and if there's any question about whether she is a rocker I encourage people to listen to the early Blondie records like some of their most famous hits connect with hip hop rapture she, they were the first rock band to incorporate rap into their sound or you know heart of glass of course is their disco anthem and one of the greatest disco songs but those those early Blondie records, obviously parallel lines, but even the ones, the two before that, are just trashy, wonderful uh, rock and roll. Ripped dress rock and roll. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs>
2: nice. Yeah, she she kicked ass, undoubtedly. So that was one woman out of 28. 3.6% takes us to 45. Out of 5.42, 8.3% total. 2007, which was the ceremony that Anne was present for, we have five (laughs) former inductees, 15 men and four women. Those four women, uh, we'll start with the the first three, which were the Ronettes, Ronnie Spector, Mm -hmm. Estelle Bennett, and Nedra Talley.
3: Who inducted Ronnie, I'm curious.
2: Uh, Once again, I answer your question with Keith Richards.
3: Ah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Ronnie Spector is such an influential and all of the Ronettes so influential on the bands who were or are considered the biggest rock bands ever, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. And I mean, personally influential. They knew them. They hung out with them. They toured with them. And everything about the sound, the style, the haircuts. Where did Keith Richards haircut come from? Ronnie Spector. Mm -hmm. It's just a modified bouffant. When you think about it, that's what it is. You know, way too long. And it's all because, as you said before, Joe, of Phil Spector.
2: Yeah. It's really, really too bad. But I'm glad that they did get their due and that they were at the ceremony and, you know, that they they got to experience it. Also, we've got that year, Patty Smith.
3: Why did it take so long for Patty? Why did it take so many nominations? How many times was she nominated? Seven. Seven. Seven.
0: Okay. Great
2: there aren't a lot of huge Patty Smith hits, right
0: um, yeah. and
2: so sometimes you see that in the hall where it's like someone can be very influential someone can be super important to the progression of rock and roll like say the MC five who you know pick <laughs> Patty's you know husband yes uh, yes and that's a group that obviously important but there's this like wall of they're just not that well-known. Most right. people can't name a song. If they can name one, that's it. And I think sometimes it's hard to get for a critical favorite who isn't a huge, even though Patti Smith, I think it was able to break through because ultimately as a figure, she was very well-known.
3: Mm-hmm. And that was a period of time in the early 2000s when she was experiencing a renaissance. You know, she had come back full force after the death of her husband, Fred Smith, and Patti S- Smith group in various forms were playing out all the time. And I know that Michael Stipe, a huge devoted friend and fan to Patti, really lobbied for her mm-hmm. and others of the indie generation were saying How can you not have her in there?
2: So that was four out of 19, 21%, which takes us to 49 out of 561, 8.7%. 2008, we have five performer inductees, one non-performer, one sideman, 15 total, one woman, but it's a pretty big one. First year eligible inductee, Madonna.
3: Do you remember this as like a big crisis year for like what counts as rock and roll? Because I can't think of an artist who muddies the definition for a lot of classic hardliner types more than Madonna.
2: Yeah. This year, the year before and the year after, they had a very short ballot,
1: Mm. which Mm.
2: is a tactic that they only tried those three years, but it's a way to make the voters make hard decisions. Mm -hmm. And what's really unfortunate about this year is that the decisions they made were along racial lines. Mm. Uh, In this year, we had Madonna, John Mellencamp, Leonard Cohen, Dave Clark Five, and The Ventures. And then sitting outside, you had Chic once again, you had Donna Summer Africa Bambata. And then you had the Beastie Boys who were white, but in a traditionally black genre.
3: It's interesting to think about both Sheik and Donna Summer being on the other side of the door when Madonna gets in, because mm-hmm. of course, now Rogers helps make Madonna who she is mm-hmm. by producing her early music, and then Donna Summer kind of set the template for what Madonna would would do. Donna Summer, you know, we know her as the Giorgio Moroder produced disco goddess, but her early 80s albums, go back and listen to them sometime because they are really um, so influential in terms of the sound that Madonna goes on to stake her career on this mix of dance music, pop elements and rock and some rock elements. I mean, I would not be shocked if I don't know if this is true, but I I bet Madonna was listening to those Donna Summer records of the post-disco moment when she came up with her own sound.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She was the 50th total woman to be inducted in the Rock Hall out of 577 inductees. Jesus Christ. Uh, I have a nerd
3: question. Wait, I have a nerd question. So, so when did Prince get in and when did Michael Jackson get in?
2: Uh, Michael Jackson got in in 2001 solo. He had been okay. inducted with Jackson 5 prior to that. And then uh, Prince got in 2004.
3: Okay. So how many years is that before
0: Madonna getting
3: in?
2: Prince and Madonna both got in as soon as they were eligible.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, cause so she was nominated the-, the first year she was eligible. I knew it was her first ballot, but she was nominated immediately. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All okay. All good. right.
2: 2009. We have five performer inductees, one early influence, three side men, 20 men, and one woman. And the woman is in the early influence category, which is maybe a little suspect. It's one of the early influence inductions that I think kind of she wasn't exactly pre-rock era, but it's Wanda Jackson.
3: Yeah, I know Wanda R- Jackson is right there at the center. of, uh, Like Brenda Lee, she's one of the founding mm-hmm. uh, mothers, I guess, of rock and roll. I wonder if that was the moment for Wanda because she was having a little bit of a very late career resurgence at that time. I know she was, you know, outperforming, beloved by a lot of kind of like indie, indie country, you know, alt country, mm-hmm. insurgent country artists and bands. So it makes sense that that was the moment for Wanda.
2: And I actually think her induction led to somewhat of a resurgence too. I know when we were, we were talking to Rick Krim, he said he didn't know much about Wanda Jackson saw her and he was working at VH1 at the time and then booked her on Divas.
3: Oh, that makes ah. so much sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah, because she's influential, but she wasn't super mainstream.
2: And that sometimes can be the function of a induction is it can restart some stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is very cool. Um, it shouldn't have to be like, Society is pressuring you. <laughs> <I> <laughs> you have to pay attention induct- to this person. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which we've seen happen. Yes. Uh, so that was one out of twenty-one, which is uh, four point eight percent. Fifty-one women out of five ninety-eight, so we're at oh, about God. eight point five percent. Two thousand ten, we've got five performer inductees, six non-performer, twenty-six men and four women. We have the aforementioned members of songwriting teams finally getting inducted. We have Cynthia Weil. Uh, getting inducted with Barry Mann. And we have Ellie Greenwich getting in with Jeff Barry.
3: Yes. And um, that's overdue, long overdue. And I think, as I love Carol King, and I'm glad she's in as a performer. But I think the fact that Carol had her epical moment with her own singer songwriter album tapestry obscured these other Brill building songwriters who were during that era, equally important and wrote. Yeah. Equally... It like raised
0: her above them because yes. she had a different kind of success. when yeah. you were, ju- if you were just looking at their songwriting success, you know, these other people would also have been in at the same time.
3: Totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's the, s- the story of the musical beautiful is that they wanted to do (laughs) and I can't believe I'm bringing it up and you're not (laughs) but they initially they initially wanted that musical to be about the Brill Building and about these teams of songwriters and when they would show it to people like early on People would go, "Where's Tapestry?"
3: Oh man! And they'd be like,
2: "Well, that's that's not that era." And everyone would just be like, "We want to hear Tapestry," <laughs> and so they had to reconfigure it to focus on Carol King because that's what the people wanted, and that's what everyone was asking. After even though they tried to make it specific to,
0: it was like Carol. She was too big. She's too big. She is a star. I mean, she's a performer. She's as someone who has seen Beautiful the musical. <laughs> 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 brings it up a fair mm-hmm. amount on the show. Hey, I, I can't
2: believe I, I dared to, to bring it I cannot
0: believe it was you. Because Cynthia <laughs> yeah. Weil is one of the characters. Like her mm-hmm. and her other um, uh, partner are two characters. Like the first act takes place basically at the Braille Building. And right. like, and then in her and Jerry Goff's marriage. Mm-hmm. And then right. the second act is like tapestry. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah,
3: it's also shows... I mean, again, Carol is a superstar, an icon, a legend but also it shows a bias in the rock hall toward performers who perform their own songs,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, a huge
3: bias. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that's just if we were to have a more philosophical theoretical conversation about what is rock and roll, the way that rock and roll got recast after the turn of the sixties and the seventies, I would say this happens even after, the era of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, but of course the Beatles and Dylan are the start of it, but it's that turn toward, I am an individual expressing my own passions and angst and genius that redefines rock and dishonors so many early rock songwriters.
2: Mm Yeah. I mean, in thinking about genre and, but also thinking about artists that write their own music. ABBA was indeed inducted in 2010. So we have, uh, and I'll do this the best I can, Agneta Falkstad and Anna Fred Lindstad were inducted as part of ABBA, obviously. And I do think uh, genre wise, this is not something the Hall tends to go for, but I do think it comes from a respect of the songwriting that came from within the group.
3: Mm -hmm. And the massive popularity, the undeniable. Mm-hmm. World influence. I mean, I, I'm happy to talk for thirty seconds about Abba on the. Um, day after the Eurovision or two days or whatever after Eurovision (laughs) happened because um, but international European uh, Western pop music, there is no one more influential than ABBA. All
2: right. So 2010, we had four women out of 30 inductees. That's 13% total of 55 women out of 628, which is 8.75%. We're getting to a point where it's hard to change the total percentage because there's so many in there like you can only make minor adjustments for each Mm -hmm. year the following year 2011 we had five performer inductees two non-performer one in the musical excellence category and I think that was the first year of the musical excellence category Mm -hmm. and that would be 11 men and one woman and the one Mm -hmm. woman is Darlene Love
3: and she's in musical excellence she's not
2: even though I think she would be a perfect She's very the-
3: musically excellent, and especially because
2: that category is supposed to be for someone that is hard to define.
3: Oh hell! I mean, darling, love because she is the voice of like every single that doesn't have her name of it. Right, on exactly. In the early '60s, she was the sound of Gold Star Studios. She was the sound of the girl groups. She was the ultimate background singer. We all know this now because of Thirty Feet from Stardom, the movie. Yeah. Um, the great movie about um, those black women's voices that were obscured. So what did they just put her in as like a regular old artist? She got voted or- in.
2: They put her in oh, mm-hmm. on the oh, ballot cool. as a performer and, and she got in, which is great. I, ju- I just think that like that category was made for her. You and yet know, who was it
3: that got in? that? Leon Russell. Well, that's so funny because you know, they, they were they both played together playing and- at Big Star or at Gold Star Studios during mm-hmm. that time. I bet they had a good laugh about that. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I think I said 30 feet from stardom. Isn't it 20 feet? It's, I'm it's five them. Feet it's it's too, I'm 20. sorry. I'm sorry, darling. It five <laughs>
2: 20. Feet.
0: It's 20
2: feet from stardom. But that's okay.
0: It is 20 feet from stardom. I thought it, I literally was like, well, I thought it was five feet from stardom. I think it's funny that, that I said 30 feet because sometimes it feels like they're farther from stardom even than they should back.
3: be. Yes.
2: Kristen seems to think they're right up. Uh, right up. I think them. they're
0: right there. <laughs> I think they could touch it if they leaned really hard. They could definitely touch Touch stardom, definitely. Touch the ass of stardom. <laughs> Truly. Exactly. <laughs> Just brush up against it. <laughs> that was
2: one woman out of 12 that year, 8%. 56 out of 640 is the total in 2011. So we have 8.75%. Again, it's like impossible to move it at this point. 2012, we have 6. 6- inductees in the performer category we have two non-performers one early influence and this is also the year where they did a retcon of six backing bands oh jesus it's
0: going to be like include. 70 men <laughs> and four women
2: close it's 68 men and two women, because the number is going to be really gave high. too many.
0: I gave them too many on the women front, I guess. <laughs>
2: so they neglected famously to induct the backing bands of Buddy Holly and Gene uh-huh. Vincent and James Brown and right. Bill Haley and uh, Smokey Robinson, and uh, so that was a lot of old guys who were inducted this year, and only one woman, and that would be Claudette Rogers Robinson,
3: because she was part of the miracles. miracles
2: yeah exactly
3: yeah. yeah
2: I think she's sometimes referred to as the first lady of Motown yes um so it was nice for her to get that distinction and then the other woman that year kind of an odd induction for the rock hall but a very cool one Laura Nero
3: I am a huge Laura Nero stan and I understand why you say it's an odd induction because Laura Nero Joni please don't come after me but you know arguably <laughs> maybe the first singer-songwriter of the singer-songwriter era, not necessarily, but was championed by David Geffen before David Geffen went on to champion the career of Joni Mitchell and so many other classic singer-songwriters, but also a bridge figure between kind of the Motown or Black R&B sound of the early mid-60s. She wrote songs that were covered by artists like The Fifth Dimension and the white-dominated, let's just say it, singer-songwriter era. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her own records are such a beautiful, unique mix of elements. You know, freeform poetry, countercultural rock, Motown sounds, r and She also made a fantastic record with LaBelle. That's mm-hmm. Motown covers, one of my favorite um, albums of that time. Uh, so that was two out of 70
2: that year, which puts us back. Uh, so that was 2.9%, and that will take us to 58 out of 710,
0: 8.2%. You keep saying, you know, we're at a point where we really can't change it or whatever. It's like, we really could. We Couldn't could. We could just have some, uh, we could just induct a bunch of women all at yeah. once. We Damn. could do a retcon the way we did with the crickets, you know? Well,
2: <laughs> let's, let's go to two, 2013, six performer inductees, two non-performer, 15 men. We've got three women. We've got the aforementioned Donna Summer was finally inducted after being on the ballot for five times. Sadly, did not live to see her induction, which is... uh awful they had many opportunities to do that and it did not work out
3: a real tragedy and as i i'll just reiterate what i said before donna summer remembered uh for her disco hits but truly a a pioneer of 80s black rock as well and a great rock conceptualist as well as an amazing voice yeah
2: she's really important and an important induction for the hall and we've also got heart in 2013, so we've got Ann and Nancy Wilson.
3: My homegirls, my Seattle homegirls. I mean, come on, like what, what What was 70s rock without heart? What were women in rock without heart? I yeah. mean, I just, you know, Magic Man, Little Queen, mm-hmm. crazy on you, that voice, the only rival to Robert Plant as far as I am concerned, as far as a hard rock voice is Ann Wilson, Nancy Wilson, one of the greatest like rhythm guitarists of all time. It was, you know, again, Mm -hmm. like took too long.
2: Yeah. And I think it was specifically Hart performing at the Led Zeppelin Kennedy Center honors that I think took them over the edge, got them the additional press that.
0: How many times have they been nominated prior?
2: They had been nominated. This was their second ballot, uh, but they had been eligible for, you know, at that point over a decade. Uh,
0: Oh, you know, if we had had a podcast at that time, I would would have been been so, that would have, I mean, you know, that would have been my Pat Benatar. I mean, it's like legitimately, that is outrageous that that they wouldn't be on their first ballot. Like to me, heart is such a first ballot rock band. They kick ass.
3: I have to say, like, I think there's another bias that only resolved around this time, uh, which is a anti Pacific Northwest bias. I think they were so associated with the Pacific Northwest and and pre-grunge era, uh, I think nobody thinks about the Pacific Northwest. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Sonics probably took a long time to get into, as far as I know, Uh, but Go Seattle. Yeah. Seattle and and
2: there's, there's probably also the, you know, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Ballads, because yeah. the bias. 80s
0: ballads, I'm yeah. sure, that kind of not dinged help. them in the minds of many voters. So yeah. But I
3: know for a fact like Eddie Vedder and uh, like you mentioned, Jerry Cantrell, I'm sure they were in, inside that process hard pushing for them
2: so that was three out of 18 that year which is about 17 percent uh which for the halls actually not that bad uh mm. and it takes us to 61 out of 728 8.37 percent 2014 we have six performer inductees two non-performer one musical excellence 22 men and we have two women we've got uh linda ronstadt uh, yeah. linda
3: ronstadt i think this is another no-brainer i'm sure and you are shocked it took her that long <laughs> to get in but I think uh, it took that long for two main reasons. One, she is primarily an interpreter and the Rock Hall, as I said before, looks down mm-hmm. on people who don't write their own songs. and. Two, she was considered, you know, kind of the sweetheart of that sort of mid-70s Laurel Canyon LA mm-hmm. rock scene alongside the Eagles and J.D. Souther and people like that. And honestly, she was often trivialized and made into a sex symbol and not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm so happy that Linda's been completely reclaimed. And, you know, that documentary that came out about her really mm-hmm. had an impact. And again, you younger generation of artists saying she's a huge influence but sadly i think she was almost like a figure of not fun but just trivialized you know for a long time
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and
2: she's incredible and has has, you know one of the great voices i also think she was publicly like i don't give a shit uh about the hall which very private
3: person yeah,
2: yeah and i don't think that helped and then the second woman that year was Part of the musical excellence induction of the E Street Band, Patty Skialfa.
3: Is that here? Yeah. He yeah. <laughs> yes, for Springsteen's uh, wife and prime collaborator. And I, I'm glad to see her in there, not just as a member of the E Street Band, but I always think the Rock Wives need to be acknowledged not just as companions and muses, but as artistic collaborators because so often Mm -hmm. they are. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that I know that's the case for Patty and Bruce. So
2: So that's two out of 24 for that year, 8.3%. 63 out of 752 is the total, which is 8.3%. In 2015, we had six performer inductees, one early influence, one musical excellence, 26 men, and one woman. And that would be... Joan Jett.
3: So Joan Jett is the first rock star I ever interviewed in person. (gasps) I was in high school and I was writing for my local Seattle music magazine, the rocket. And I got to go see her at the show box and it was on the first record and uh, people after her first solo record, bad reputation after she, you know, left the runaways. And I just remember being at the show and people were spitting at her and she was like giving back as hard as they, she was getting. And then the next day I went uh, to her hotel room and she still had like all her makeup on from the night before. She's sitting there in her leather jacket and I was truly like, Oh my god. Damn. This yeah. is rock. This yeah. is rock.
2: That is so. rock. <laughs> that is rock. Well, she- <laughs> in- incredible. Yeah, and she was inducted with the Black Hearts. I guess it could have gone either way, but
3: No, I Uh, think that's right. I think it's right. Because she, you know, like Chrissy with the Pretenders, and I also once interviewed them together, which was an interesting experience. mm -hmm. Joan was a lot nicer. (laughs) (laughs) But like Chrissy with the Pretenders, she is a band, you know, she is like a band person, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's a rocker. That's, she sure. needs her band.
2: So. And so that was one out of 27 for that year, which is 3.7%. Takes us mm. to 64 out of 779, 8.2%. Uh, 2016, five performer inductees, one non-performer, 26 men, zero women.
1: <laughs> for
0: real? Why? And that is the year
2: when <laughs> Steve Miller, of all people, spoke up. Uh, Because he was a he was a part of that, and he was like, "This this isn't good." Woke
0: King Steve Miller, (laughs) you guys gotta get. Have you done
3: a show with him? He's like secretly really interesting. I want to hear a show with. I want you all to do a pod with him if you Uh, don't want to reach
2: out to Steve. See if yeah, uh,
3: see if
0: it can happen.
3: He's 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 also you know he lives in the Pacific Northwest, so you know he's cool.
2: There you go. (laughs) So So that brought us to sixty four out of eight hundred and five, which. uh Knocks Kill us me. down to uh, seven point nine percent women in the hall. Twenty seventeen we had six performer inductees, one musical excellence, twenty-seven men, and one woman, and that one woman was Joan Baez.
3: Well, I don't know what to say that it took that long to induct Joan she Baez. She could have into been inducted of in the first fame. year.
2: She could have been inducted in the first year.
3: I mean, I do know what to say. It's the anti-folk yeah. prejudice. I mean, mm-hmm. she's considered yeah. a folk artist, but Not only is Joan Baez one of the main reasons Bob Dylan has a career and like mentored him in their early days together, she was popular enough to be on the cover of what Time magazine. She was the biggest star mm-hmm. of the early mid '60s. She's such a huge, hugely important person in the countercultural movement. Plus, how did it feel for all those years for her to sit there and watch every single one of her male friends get in? Like, there's mm-hmm. Jackson Brown. There's
0: yeah, I'm like, if you are going to Jackson own- Brown in, or James Taylor, or <laughs> just any male. Soft folk artists, yeah. like uh, what? I don't know. I- I mean, what? it's, it's, it's just
3: horrifying, but I think Joan, well, I don't know. What are your insights, Joe? Cause I could rave on, but I want to hear, I want to hear yeah, what you
2: think. I mean, even Joan does not consider herself to be a rock and roll artist and yeah. in her induction though, she acknowledges that, but also that the influence of folk and her career on rock is a significant one.
1: Yeah. And
2: I, I'm glad she acknowledged that and said it because I can see why people would question it uh and i thought she did it very uh, eloquently
3: it, if all she did was write diamonds and rust i think she deserves a spot because that is like the best song about messed up relationship between two megastars that was ever written so <laughs> yeah
2: and and good enough for judas priest to cover
3: i know so there you go
2: such a such a cool and unexpected thing uh (laughs) so that was one woman out of 28 inductees that year three and a half percent 65 out of 833 is our total which is 7.8 percent. as we go to 2018 five performer inductees one early influence 23 men two women and those two women were nina simone and sister rosetta tharp the latter in the early influence category
3: I think we should note that from now until the end of our conversation, we will just be registering shock and horror that every person whose name is mentioned wasn't in. You know, early. I mean, Nina Simone. Come on. Although I will say this, it's been interesting to watch the the renaissance of Nina Simone. The way that her reputation has grown and she has become a more central, or centrally acknowledged, historical figure for. I think I'm gonna just say by white fans, listeners and critics. I think she's always been, like Gladys Knight, like really central key in among black fans, critics and scholars. But, you know, I, I would say that the the reemergence of Nina Simone posthumously as this this like absolute pioneer is probably why she
0: got in that year. I- That documentary, I think that that documentary was very popular and certainly it was important to me. It it educated me uh, as far Mm -hmm. as like her importance as an activist and her importance within like the social justice movement of the 60s. Like I really didn't realize that she was that outspokenly telling the system to fuck off. And I think it's really amazing.
3: She's also a super important uh, sampled voice in hip hop, you know, Mm -hmm. and and, and touchstone artist for hip hop. And uh, so I think that that's another reason why. I mean, by this time, I assume people like Questlove are weighing in on this process Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. So I would imagine (laughs) as well. Do you know when he joined the NomCom, Joe?
2: It would have been a few years before this, maybe around 2014 or something.
3: But Rosetta too, like, you know that's another case of of history being corrected by the active work of scholars and and others and specifically gail wald who is who wrote the biography of rosetta tharp shout sister shout which later became a musical (laughs) so Kristen, i know you'll be going to catch that okay (laughs) i would go see that i would go and
0: see that that
3: yes (laughs) but that's a case where and you know Uh, Name dropping Gail is a good friend of mine, but um, I think her work specifically really helped a lot in getting people to realize how important Rosetta is.
2: Yeah, a lot, long, long overdue for both of them. That's two out of 25 for that year, 8%, 67 out of 858 total, 7.8%. As we go to 2019, a ceremony that Kristen and I attended, seven inductees in the performer category. We have 33 men and two women. So we've got Janet Jackson.
3: Again, (laughs) Like how... How how not? How not before? How not before? How not before? (laughs) I've been reduced reduced to babbling. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, Janet Jackson, I think, perhaps was overshadowed by the overwhelming aura her brother projected, both in great ways and negative ways. Mm -hmm. But all I know is that there is no artist defining 80s and 90s R&B, aside from maybe Whitney Houston, who's more
0: emblematic than Janet Jackson. She rocks. She's so important. But again, this is like, now that she's in, we can do this like retconning of the people who've been overlooked. Shaka Khan is notably still not in. I don't know what to do about it (laughs) other than yell into the void, which I do every week. Yeah, Yeah. but the Janet
2: induction is an important one for the hall and it it helps to broaden out who can be inducted, which is always a good thing.
3: I'm just going to say this out loud. Like, Janet needs to be in there before they can induct Beyonce. Yeah. That's right. And they yeah. have
0: to induct Beyonce. Like, yeah. Yeah. Beyonce she- has got to be in on her first year or you're crazy. There is yeah. no I, mean, I yeah. won't stand for it.
3: <laughs> right. So you have to have Janet to like open the door for other people like Mary J. Blige too. You have mm-hmm. to you have to have that acknowledgement of that R and B. Contemporary R and B, not 50s style R and B, is foundational.
2: And then we have we have Stevie Nicks, the first double inductee woman.
3: Yeah, which we talked earlier about Stevie's coming to the fore about the the new understanding of Fleetwood Mac that emerges when women artists, younger women artists, start saying I exist because Stevie existed. We also have stevie just being a wonderful elder i think that also matters maybe oh, for yeah. some of these artists mm-hmm. like i got to interview her at south by southwest several years ago she just has got such a great way of talking about her own history and you know she she speaks truth to power but she's not in, you know she doesn't come across as embittered and for the rock hall i think like they don't want maybe to acknowledge people who feel bitter about them. I yes. don't know. What do you think about that?
2: You know, I, I think the Irving Azoff connection is an important one. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, yeah he's yeah. a power yeah. player within the hall. And so yeah. that's squarely in line with what he needs to accomplish.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I think
2: you're right. Like she will play the game. She has been to many inductions and taken part in it. She's a friend of the hall. Yeah. And so it is a reliable, for especially for a historic moment like that, you don't want to induct someone for the second time and they don't show up. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to revel in in that moment. And I think Stevie's probably the perfect person. There's also kind of a weird thing that we tracked, which was she was getting traction at these new kiosks at the museum.
4: Oh, interesting.
2: You know, people who were attending the museum could go up to the kiosk and type in who they thought should be in, who's not already in. And Stevie Hmm. early got a lot of traction. And we kind of thought... People then saw the leaderboards and saw Stevie was up there and went, how is Stevie Nicks not in the hall, Mm -hmm. kind of not realizing that Fleetwood Mac, of course, is in and she's in with them. And then it just kind of barreled from there. And I think may have may have led to an induction. Obviously, it has to get to the nominating committee and then people within the room have to support it. But I think that might have kicked it off.
0: And then I mean, then it's the exact same uh, thing that happens on the ballot is that the people who are voting aren't thinking, oh, wow, she's already in with Fleetwood Mac. They're just like Stevie Nicks. She's a she's a star. Check. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, totally. And I mean that and and then combined
3: finally with the resurgence of interest in 80s rock that was honestly scorned by my generation of, you know, indie, alt grunge, scrunch, whatever you call it, rockers who didn't want to think about rock of the 80s with mm-hmm. synthesizers and that kind mm-hmm. of sound on it. Millennials and and younger Xers, I think, have an easier time with that sound.
2: Now, I want to acknowledge that we have been talking in a binary. We've been talking mm-hmm. about male inductees and female inductees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a lot of talk and articles uh, online about the rock and roll hall of fame's problem with female inductees. I feel like this is never really brought up. And I think it might be because they are a a private person, but Pearl Thompson, the guitar player founding member has done three stints with the cure. And again, I, I don't want to speculate, but you know, this is a person who was born Paul Thompson now goes by Pearl and I guess we just don't know again because of the privacy if they subscribe to either binary or neither. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's worth mentioning and acknowledging because you know that this potentially could be the first non-binary or trans inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall
3: Fame. I'm glad you mention it and acknowledge it. I have to confess, I this is where I say I'm not like a super cure fan. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. cure fans. <laughs> So I honestly didn't know about this until uh, you brought it up before we were talking today. Um, So I can't speak about Pearl's identity, but I do think if the Hall wants to be part of the 21st century, they're going to have to stop thinking in binaries in many different ways, and this is definitely one of them, because right now... um, LGBTQIA, trans, non-binary artists are changing music across genres and mm-hmm. um, moving forward, that's going to be true. So
0: It is. And yeah, it's going to make the kind of discussions like this almost obsolete in a way someday. Yeah. And I look forward to that. I yeah. think about that a lot of times with awards too, for any kind of performance, it's like male rock vocalist, female rock vocalist, best actor, best actress. Like what does your gender have? to do with literally anything about Mm -hmm. that at all like there just is not a reason to necessarily split it down the line and i think that if you don't split it then it's almost like you can't hide behind oh we have a separate category you know so if there was just one category rock vocal performance or vocal performance or whatever you know then if it were all, you know, male identifying people or whatever, then you'd kind of be like, oh, really, we think that this is the best and the only, you know? And then especially with like Demi Lovato just coming out as non-binary like three days ago or whatever, I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be a lot of people's first... exposure exposure to to it, it, which is, I was literally talking to uh, an old employer of mine who is in their fifties and I, they had never heard of non-binary. They were like, you know, what, (laughs) what is that? They didn't, they were not familiar with it. They knew what trans was, but they just were not familiar with kind of the idea that someone wouldn't be on either side of the binary. Music is a, is
3: a path or is a space where, um, identity, you know, is so central and voiced identity is so central popular music and so it is a great space for people like your colleague Kristen to discover that gender is fluid you know I mean we certainly have Uh, An artist like Sylvester, whose voice, you know, Mm -hmm. however Sylvester personally identified or what tools Sylvester had at the time, as you're saying, to what pronouns they might use, the voice of Sylvester, I'm not going to say transcends because that seems wrong, but it is just a fluid instrument that, and that, you know, one of the greatest artists of the 70s, vocalists of the 70s, in my opinion, or, you know, currently Anony, that voice is one that I believe should be in the Hall of Fame eventually, again, a voice that's redefining what Musical expression can be. So I hope the hall embraces this because it is totally where music exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I know I wanted to acknowledge the the binary and that what I am doing is is with uh-huh. is so binary <laughs> and it's almost almost robotic, but out of respect for Pearl, I am not going to include them in either. So I'm just going to say that, you know, two women out of 36 in 2019, which is about 5.5%, which takes us to 69 out of 894, which is 7.7%. And then in 2020, we're getting to the years that we're more familiar with. Six performer inductees, two non-performer, 28 men, one woman, and the woman is Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. uh, who I think we talk about Janet opening the door. I think right. once that door was opened, then Whitney was you know an obvious and a must induct.
3: Absolute must, but also an artist who at her apex was considered by a lot of uh, people who embrace a narrower defin- definition of rock and rock and roll as the kind of the enemy of rock, you know. Mm-hmm. A- ballad singer, a pop star, a supposedly manufactured star, the trilby to Clive Davis's Svengali. And um, that was how many people perceived Whitney, many white people perceived Whitney, even as she was the technically greatest pure voice of her moment. Mm -hmm. And also a a singer who I think now we can hear was absolutely maintaining the, the legacy set by her own family, you know, by Mm -hmm. By Her own mother and her own Godmother Aretha Franklin and Yeah so that's one of those No-brainers that when you look back you Understand why but it's just unacceptable Yeah.
0: Yeah if Aretha is the First woman in the hall Whitney Houston belongs in the hall Oh, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And 100%. also, this is the year that they famously did not put Pat Banatari <laughs> right, on the ballot. <laughs> and they, they, and had an, they, o- they had an opportunity <laughs>
1: and they yeah, fucking so blew
0: it. <laughs> there was only
2: one woman that year out of 29, which is 3.4%. It takes us to 70 total of 923, which is 7.58%. And that takes us to the current year, 2021. Six performer inductees, one non-performer, three early influence, three musical excellence, 18 men and seven women, which we have we've seen seven women before, but the percentage is the highest that it's ever been. You know, obviously, we talked about Tina Turner. We talked about Carol King. And then finally, we get a rock band of women with the Go-Go's, and I want to say their names, Belinda Carlisle, Jane Wheedland, Charlotte Caffey, Kathy Valentine, and Gina Schock.
3: Uh, well, I told you all that Joan Jett was the first rock star I interviewed in person, and Jane Wheatland was the first one I ever interviewed on the phone. And so, again, this is, just makes me happy. You know, I know as a young woman myself, Seeing an all-woman rock band was really important for me. I mean, the Runaways existed before the Go-Go's existed, but the Go-Go's were self-authored in a different way than the Runaways were. And yes. that's no shade on the Runaways because in mm-hmm. performance, I think they deserve to be in. I honestly really do. It, you know, And I think maybe the messed up relationship with their manager slash abuser, Kim mm-hmm. Fowley, uh, might be one reason that they're not in. I'm not sure about the Runaways, but the Go-Go's, yeah. They made so much seem possible for mm-hmm. young girls like me when they came forth,
2: yeah, and they had the they had the hits and they had the presence, and they were so huge, and I think that's what makes them such an obvious and great pick is that yes. they they kicked ass, but also if you want the hit records to back it up, they've got them mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's great to see finally that they get in and that a rock band of women. And like, it doesn't even matter if they wrote their own stuff, but I know the rock hall loves it. And so, and that is that is cool in its own way. And so that brings us out. That was seven out of 25. Didn't have to be, it could have Didn't been more have than did not have to 28%. be this way. Could have
0: put in Estelle Axton, could have put in Carol Kay, could have just really, <laughs> could have re- remade the mistakes of the past, just shoved them on in, yeah. no problem.
2: But that for our final tally, that takes us up to 76 seven women out of 948 total, which brings us back up above 8%. Wow. Woo-hoo.
0: Above uh, 8%. 8.1%. <laughs> I'm shutting my computer. Yeah. I hate it here. And so that, yeah. is that is abysmal.
2: The full history of wow. women in the rock hall. And you know, we, when we talk about it, y- there's never any context. So there's some exhaustive. Context exhaustive
0: context. That's a lot of listeners. context.
3: I, I hope we get a f- like five minutes to talk about all the women who aren't in who should be in.
2: I mean, we can do this very quickly. Okay. Um, the, I'm like, maybe
0: we should do that on another episode. I'd love I'm to do fun. a women that should be in episode. Yeah, that's not, that's not a bad idea. Because I feel idea. like it's not, it's going to get short shrift in this yeah, episode. and I
2: don't mean to do that, so maybe you can consider this a tease. <laughs> uh, but the women who have been on the ballot who have not been inducted this year, we saw Deanne Warwick, Kate Bush, Mary J. Blige, Shaka Khan, and previous years, we've seen Shaka Khan with Rufus, we've seen Pat Benatar, we've seen Annie Lennox as part of Eurythmics. Marvelettes, Chantel's, we haven't seen Esther Phillips and Mary Wells since the first two years of of the Rock Hall, but they are definitely worthy. And I hope if they're expanding these uh, categories that they can Mm -hmm. include some of those foundational women. And then I'm gonna do, I'm gonna run through, and this is of course an incomplete list of just, like I just jotted some names down. They're names we talked about before. Big Mama Thornton, Memphis Minnie, Connie Francis, Shangri-La's, Leslie Gore, Cher, Roberta Flack, LaBelle, Carly Simon, Carpenters, Diana Ross, Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson of the B fifty twos, Sade, Cindy Lauper, Salt and Peppa, Mariah Carey, PJ Harvey, Slater Kenny, Bjork, Liz Ferrer, Lanis Morris at TLC, Cheryl Crow, and Aaliyah, not to mention the groups that have very important women members like Fuji's Sonic Youth, Pixies, New Order, Smashing Pumpkins, and not. To mention the non-performers or the people in the other categories, like Florence Greenberg, who right. founded Scepter Records and was one of the sole female record label owners at a time when that just didn't happen, and Sylvia Robinson, yep. who is so important to hip hop and Sugar Hill Records, yep. and Estelle Axton, Carol Kay, as we've talked about, and you know what, Ashford and Simpson are not in, and they're such an important songwriting duo, and Valerie Simpson of that group, she's you know she's still alive, and that would be a no-brainer
0: put them all in joe just made a list if you're listening hall put all of those women in and let's get this abysmal percentage at least on the in the correct direction yeah i've had enough (laughs) i will not be making any more offers these are my terms
3: Well, I couldn't agree more, obviously, and and I'm pushing for Shaka. Like, come on, Shaka, get oh, that woman on, in. Shaka. There is no voice like that from the '70s. I mean, she, and also, you know, like she's Joni's BFF, so you might get Joni to induct her. That could happen. Is that enough catnip for you, Rock Hall people? <laughs> yes, come Tony on, Mitchell love her. Let's go, Shaka Khan. Let's get that to happen. You know, and I, you know, for me personally, I need Kate Bush in there. I just mm-hmm. need her in there. No artist really like formed my striving young collegiate writer identity more than Kate Bush. So, I know she's sort of a, you know, an English icon more than an American one, but uh, mm-hmm. but come yeah. on and i know she won't go to the ceremony because she doesn't fly but we have zoom we have skype you can uh-huh. skype her in or now. zoom her in come Ellen on. john will
0: show up for her come on and yeah. mariah carey come on okay we're gonna mariah stop we carey gotta do this bleeding. another there's, time i mean there's let's, so you know. <laughs> much
2: to, to cover for that but ann i want to thank you for joining us for for this episode where we we really got into it, uh, <laughs> it I think was you're, so the, fun. you're the perfect person for this um and i want to give you the opportunity to plug Whatever it is you would like to plug, whether it's your books, your social media, have at it.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, pick up my book, Good Booty. It is a um, an alternative history of American popular music. It goes from the beginning, the founding of America, to... Uh, almost the present day, ends with the Beyonce. So, and it's a, through the lens of eroticism and sexuality, but also race and gender. And I'll just plug one other thing, uh, one other book, The World of Bob Dylan. It's a new anthology about Bob Dylan kind of, I mean, it does what the title says. It looks at Bob Dylan's career his music his persona. And I have a chapter in there about gender and sexuality. It's called Bob Dylan's Body. And I don't think anyone's ever written about Bob Dylan's Whoa. Body. Before. Right. Yeah. So that, okay. that was edited by Sean Latham and it's out on Cambridge University Press. Uh, so there you go.
2: Excellent. Well, our listeners know they can follow us at RockHallPod on Twitter and Instagram. RockHallPod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see your message, you need to say that somewhere in there. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Anything less than five, of course, is a rude gesture. I want to thank, and especially for this episode, these types of research episodes are impossible without futurerocklegends.com which is like the vital source of anything Rock Hall and if somehow you listen to this podcast and you don't know about that website you're about to lose a bunch of hours of your life because (laughs) that really, he makes... This type of show possible, and especially these types of episodes. So, I want to give a shout out to Future Rock Legends. Of course, I want to give a shout out to AKG for that crisp sounding microphone that Kristen's got. And I want to thank Mike Lloyd for the logo, Yusuke Kim for the music, and Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala.
0: I'm Kristen Stuttered.
2: And who cares
0: about the Rock Hall?